welcome to the Bonhoeffer Podcast, a podcast about the life, theology, and practice of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I'm your host, Corey Tuttle. And my guest today is Dr. David Emerton. Dr. Emerton is the director of St. Melitus College, and he holds a PhD from the University of Aberdeen, and he's also the author of a new book entitled God's Church Community, The Ecclesiology of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dr. Emerton, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure. And just, and just for the record, um, at St. Melitus. Oh, It's very, very English. Perhaps, I don't know whether it gets lost in translation, but uh, yeah, St. Melitus. Uh, Melitus was the first Bishop of London uh-huh. uh, within the Anglican tradition. And so, um, yeah, I am a director within um, a, an Anglican theological college uh, based in the UK. Oh, nice. Well, yeah, I appreciate you joining me. It's also nice to have um, a fellow Liverpool supporter on the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, if people listen to this uh, this podcast, they know obviously I'm pretty pretty into Bonhoeffer um, enough to start a podcast on my own. It is nowhere near the level of compared to my Liverpool fandom. Um, <laughs> it occupies very much of my time, so it's nice um, when I looked up your yeah your bio on on Semilitis. Um, I got it. Uh, I saw that it, it had a like these are the things that you you worked on also here are your interests and it was right there Liverpool supporter and I thought oh this is going to be perfect yeah no um I've spent yeah I, I grew up in uh what is sort of referred to as the northwest uh part of England um so not far from Liverpool um uh, my first memory uh, as a six-year-old was um standing on the cop at Anfield uh watching Liverpool play Oxford United uh it was a fair fair long time ago uh, in what was the old first division in the English Football League and uh, Liverpool winning 6-1. And I think that day, um, I think Rush scored, Ian Rush scored a couple. Um, I think Dalglish got a couple and um, I can't remember who else scored. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I've been a Liverpool fan for like 30 years. Basically. <laughs> Hearing those names. I'm, I'm pretty new to it. Um, yeah, my, my older brother is, has been, I think, since the 2002 World Cup. Um, he he started following England and then got into Gerard and then uh, you know transferred over to Liverpool um, and then he got me into it late. I joined right before Klopp came, uh, so Brendan Rodgers last season. So it was a pretty pretty down year <laughs> to join, but you know things things have looked up since then. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, hopefully the injuries stop. Um, but we're not here to talk about Liverpool. <laughs> I, we could do a whole episode on it, I'm sure. But uh, so let's jump into the Bonhoeffer stuff. How did you discover Bonhoeffer? Um, I guess I first came across Bonhoeffer um, probably about 18 years ago now. Um, I was, um, after I graduated as an undergraduate student, I took a bit of time out um, and uh, I went to um, do something called a discipleship training school uh, with uh, a Christian organization called Youth With A Mission. Uh, out in Australia and um, a fellow student um, who was on that course uh, that I did uh, gave me a, a copy of uh, Bonhoeffer's uh, Cost of Discipleship um, and so that was the first time I'd uh, read anything of uh, Bonhoeffer and then um, fast forwarding a few years um, uh, I started out life as a corporate lawyer um, uh, and then from there kind of uh, headed into um, uh, training for ordained ministry in uh, the Church of England or so I ended up at 
theological seminary or theological college, uh, whatever you want to call it. And uh, in the context of that, uh, my training for ordained ministry, I did a uh, master's degree in systematic theology at King's College in London. And in the context of that master's, um, took a course um, that was called uh, Revelation and Reason. Uh, and it was run by um, uh, Professor Paul Jantz, uh, who is a Canadian um, uh, philosophical theologian, uh, now retired, um, uh, but has written uh, a few books, um, God, the Mind's Desire and the Command of Grace, if my memory serves me uh, correctly. But um, uh, his module on Revelation and Reason um, uh, looked briefly at Bonhoeffer and um, I ended up writing a dissertation, a master's uh, dissertation uh, under uh, Paul's uh, tutelage. Um, and uh, that thesis looked at the encounter between uh, the Logos and the Counter-Logos in Bonhoeffer's uh, Christology lectures. Uh, so that's kind of how I first came across uh, Bonhoeffer, really through um, uh, the influence of um, the cost of discipleship initially, uh, and then in a slightly more academic context um, through um, Paul Jantz. What led you to do your PhD in Bonhoeffer studies? How, how did you end up at Aberdeen? And how did you decide ecclesiology? <laughs> um, quite a long story, but um, so I was uh, involved in church leadership um, after training for ordained ministry um, in the Church of England. Uh, so I was involved in a, in a local church in London. Um, and I guess uh, just seeking kind of next steps whether i was going to um apply for um um uh, an incumbencies role which is i guess in american ease kind of a sort of a senior's pa senior pastor role mm -hmm. <laughs> um uh, or whether i was gonna um uh, kind of step away from church leadership or day-to-day -day church leadership and sort of move into theological education um, so I was kind of trying to discern a vocational call um, and uh, at the time I was having a number of conversations with um, uh, the then dean of uh, St Melitus College uh, someone called Graham Tomlin um, uh, which led to a phone call uh, with um, uh, Professor Tom Greggs who had uh, not too long moved uh, to the University of Aberdeen to take a chair there and um, uh, in a context of uh, a 50 minute phone call uh, with Tom, um, uh, he told me about uh, the Divinity Faculty at Aberdeen. He told me about their plans to uh, try and grow and develop a centre for Bonhoeffer studies. Um, uh, he very generously and kindly uh, offered me a scholarship uh, to waive my fees. Um, so basically at the end of a 50 minute phone call, um, I picked up the phone to my wife. Um, who was uh, working at a law firm in London at the time and said, I think we're moving to Aberdeen. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, seriously, on a, on a slightly more, well, that is a serious note, but um, uh, when I met Tom for the first time, um, uh, one of the things that particularly struck me was not only uh, the way he kind of reflected on the divinity faculty at Aberdeen, but, but also the fact that, um, uh, one of the things that really struck me was uh, around this uh, focus that he had around uh, a concern to to help me uh, become formed uh, as a theologian to to think theologically to write theologically and so to a certain extent uh, what i actually ended up writing my phd thesis on um 
well, it's not quite irrelevant, but to that process of uh, learning how to be formed to think and write theologically, uh, that was um, really what Tom was interested in. And um, so, yeah, so we moved to Aberdeen. Um, and uh, uh, when we landed in Aberdeen, uh, initially I was planning to um, construct a thesis, something to do around the lines of the relationship between eschatology and epistemology uh, in uh, Bonhoeffer's thought. Um, but the transition from uh, leaving church ministry, full-time church ministry, and going into full-time academic study uh, again uh, was uh, not an easy transition. And um, in the context of trying to wade through uh, the Bonhoeffer corpus for the first kind of three or four or five months of my time there, um, uh, I was kind of ready to quit and uh, to um, uh, go back to London and to retreat back into kind of church leadership and church ministry. Um, uh, but uh, at that time, um, I'd been reading solidly, I think, for sort of three or four months. And uh, Tom just said to me, he said, look, just go away and write anything, uh, anything you can. Um, and uh, when I reflect on this now, it seems bonkers, but um, it took me um, two whole weeks uh, to write 2000 words. Um, but um, uh, in, the, in those 2000 words uh, uh, emerged the kernel of my thesis. Uh, which effectively began to take shape um, uh, in the context of uh, the relationship between uh, ecclesiology and eschatology uh, in uh, Bonhoeffer's uh, thought. And uh, Tom obviously encouraged and shaped um, uh, what was emerging, um, and especially in um, relationship to wider ecclesiological literature. Um, uh, so the wider kind of ethnography and ecclesiology debate, debate mm -hmm. um, uh, that's kind of circling at the moment and it particularly kind of the a select, what you might call an either or tendency in that wider literature um, to uh, when we think about the church or when we seek to give an account of uh, the church uh, either starting um, shall we say on a purely uh, ethnographic um, standpoint so thinking and reflecting about the church as a human community and then theologically reflecting on that or actually starting your account, you know, on a slightly more dogmatic footing um, uh, and sort of coming at the church from two different perspectives mm. um, and often clashing or not getting very far in uh, the middle. Um, so, so they were some of the, so, so they were some of the reasons why um, we ended up in Aberdeen uh, and why I ended up writing specifically on ecclesiology and um, something that Tom was also very interested in um, and was was shaping that as well, um, which um, is the very basic uh, sort of ecclesiological question of um, uh, so much. Well, so much of what is written or taught um, about uh, the church these days has to do with kind of church form and church practice. Mm -hmm. um, so what the church does or how the church is to be. Um, uh, whereas very little attention is given to um, a, a perhaps more fundamental ecclesiological question of what the church is. Mm. Um, and it uh, seems to Tom particularly, and therefore by a process of osmosis for me, I guess, um, that actually to think about the question of um, uh, how to be or do church before you think about the what question is kind of putting the cart before uh, the horse uh, somewhat. Um, 
uh, a fear that was uh, confirmed in a slightly random conversation I had with uh, a then um, quite a senior church leader uh, of a slightly of a, a well in English terms a relatively big church. Um, uh, he phoned me up one day and said, "Oh, I was you know wondering what you were planning on doing after you'd finish your PhD and." Um, and oh, what are you doing your PhD on? And I said, oh, you know, I'm thinking a little bit about this question of what the church is, you know, what, what would you say? How, what would your response be to that question? And there was this just this kind of stony silence on the end of the phone. Um, and so I guess it was slightly motivated by, motivated by a fear that, um, that those who are called to lead God's church, um, do they know what it is they are called to lead? Hmm. Wow. Um, and... So yeah, so there are some of the reasons why I ended up in Aberdeen and why I ended up engaged in a, a project on ecclesiology. That's great. Yeah, I really appreciate hearing sort of the, the process. Um, I mean, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm sort of looking into schools now for dissertation, for PhDs and doing dissertations and things like that. So hearing more of the process of how these things, you know, I spend a lot of time reading the finished product and to hear, okay, these are the kind of things I, I can expect is, is nice to hear. Um, so I had a, a, a similar experience to most people when they um, start reading, bon really try to get into Bonhoeffer. About five years ago, I decided I wanted to get into Bonhoeffer studies. And so I went and got volume one of, <laughs> with absolutely no context. <laughs> and I think I made it, you know, 30, 50, 30 or 50 pages, something like that, and just lost. I mean, I, you, you told me off there, you kind of had a, a similar experience. Um, it helped going back, you know, a few years later and uh, talking to Michael Mawson and <laughs> Michael DeYoung about St. <laughs> Dorm Communio and, and active being um, to have a much better handle and have someone who knows it really well walk me through it. Uh, but for someone who is, let's say, just starting out in Bonhoeffer, reading Bonhoeffer and starts in volume one, um, could I have you just very basically, so it doesn't have to be very in-depth at all, uh, kind of sketch out what is Bonhoeffer trying to accomplish in his ecclesiological work? So uh, you're right. Um, uh, the first reading of Sanctorum Communio is... Um, slightly impenetrable uh, the second reading is probably um slightly impenetrable the third <laughs> reading uh, maybe a little bit less but uh, so um i mean i think when i when i when i reflect on sanctorum communio from and think about what bonhoeffer i mean obviously that there, there are specific aims uh, to the text which are are clear um uh, even from the the work subtitle um but but i think ultimately or basically um Bonhoeffer is wanting to um, try and avoid uh, two different ways of misunderstanding the being of uh, the church or what the church is, going back to that question that we were reflecting on just a moment or two ago. Um, so uh, trying to avoid um, uh, uh, one way of understanding the church, which kind of overlooks or downplays the fact that it's God who creates the church um, and uh, one that kind of uh, refuses to take seriously or downplays that what God creates as the church is a human historical and fallible uh, community. Um, uh, what he calls elsewhere um, a materialistic secular ecclesiology um, on the one hand uh, or an idealistic 
uh, docetic ecclesiology on uh, the other, um, uh, which uh, in kind of the language of uh, uh, my recent book, um, I kind of label as uh, an ethnographic or a dogmatic approach to ecclesiology. And, and often um, uh, one focus uh, comes through at the expense of uh, the other. Uh, in the specific context of Sanctorum Communio, um, uh, Bonhoeffer uh, really, when he, I think when he's thinking about these two different types of approaches uh, to ecclesiology, he has in mind, um, which is a, a common point and one which uh, Mike Mawson in his uh, book, Christ Existing as um, Community, uh, draws out uh, really well. It's got a really good uh, summary uh, uh, of uh, the sort of two different kind of approaches uh, to ecclesiology. One represented by Ernst Trolch um, uh, on the one hand, uh, and then uh, the ecclesial thought of the early Bart uh, on um, the other. And so, so I guess um, uh, one aim uh, or one thing that Bonhoeffer is trying to do, I think, in the context of that work is is kind of almost seeking a third way. Uh, what you might call a genuinely uh, theological account of uh, the church, uh, one that uh, attends to the church in his, in his language uh, as uh, both a uh, historical uh, community and one established by uh, God, um, one which uh, attends therefore to both um, uh, God's agency and uh, human agency uh, in the life of uh, the church and does so in a properly uh, ordered and um, proportionate way. Um, so uh, in a way that an attention to divine agency doesn't squash uh, human agency and in a way that an attention to human agency doesn't squash divine agency mm. uh, in the life of uh, the church. Uh, and that's kind of in the context of um, the book I uh, kind of label that as Bonhoeffer's both and ecclesiological kind of methodology. Yeah, that's what I was going to have you <laughs> talk about next. Um, so it was both and ecclesiology. Um, you you cite Second uh, Second Corinthians. Uh, I wrote down Colossians. Well, <laughs> uh, Second Corinthians six sixteen. Uh, I shall be their God, and they shall be my people. So sort of the description of the church as both being dogmatic and, as you say, ethnographic. Uh, so how does Bonhoeffer go about kind of depicting this both and ecclesiology? How, what, what's his argument, I guess? Um, yeah, so, I mean, essentially, or in a nutshell, um, the need to kind of hold together um, in an account of the church speech about uh, God's own life, but also about the church's human form, um, uh, uh, such that you end up with an account of the church, which is uh, both historical community and one that's established by God. Um, I mean, picking up um, that um, Pauline quote of um, essentially um, the reality of God's covenantal promise uh, to Israel that the people of Israel um, are God's people um, um, that that he will be their God and they shall be his people and and Pauline's appropriation of that if you like to the Corinthian church um, that um, uh, if you think about the church as uh, uh, the people of God 
uh, or the body of Christ, uh, if the people and the body aspect are the sort of human pole of the equation and the Christ and the God bit are the divine pole of the equation, um, how do you account really for the uh, of in the middle of those two things? Or, or in relation to kind of the covenant, um, um, they shall be, um, I shall be their God and they shall be my people. How do you account for uh, the and? Um, and it's not, I guess my argument is not simply that Bonhoeffer understands and describes the church as both kind of creature of God uh, and social historical uh, community, uh, but rather additionally, he um, understands and describes the how of that unity um, uh, that the word and prescribes. And um, he does that, um, I contend, by um, attending to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. That that was the surprising bit and that I, I really enjoyed. Um, I think I have seen other scholars in the past, and I think that these are more, um, they're not more recent works, uh, accuse Bonhoeffer of not being very pneumatological, um, not, having, not having really a strong doctrine, doctrine of the Holy Spirit. There's an essay early on, I think in, in volume nine, um, of the young Bonhoeffer where he's at school and he's writing about Holy, the Holy Spirit and scripture. Um, but nothing kind of jumps out to me um, when it comes to thinking of his work as pneumatological. Um, so how is Bonhoeffer's ecclesiology pneumatological? Um, I mean, I, I think the, the first thing to say um, is that um, uh, my reading of Bonhoeffer obviously um, would be contested. Um, or could be contested, can be contested. Um, uh, obviously, uh, uh, you're right. Um, uh, for vast uh, swathes of um, sort of his previous Bonhoeffer scholarship, would would argue that um, he has a very underdeveloped or uh, perhaps even a non-existent uh, pneumatology. Um, uh, I think I would want to contend otherwise, and I, I seek to try and do that uh, in uh, the book. Um, and there's obviously not there's just there's not one aspect or one point of his corpus that you can kind of point to and and say you know that kind of proves it almost uh, and so and so I try and exploit the whole corpus obviously I try and um, move freely between um, uh, different works to construct uh, shall we say his um, ecclesiological method um, and that's an important point to note as well because I mean obviously uh, there's no conventional systematic pre presentation of um, a doctrine of ecclesiology um, within the corpus of Bonhoeffer's writings. And so even to speak about Bonhoeffer's ecclesiology, um, you have to be working with um, A, the whole corpus, and I guess applying to that corpus um, a definition of um, systematicity that, that trades not on kind of a more conventional um, uh, pattern, but perhaps on a more relational uh, pattern. Um, uh, but um, ultimately, um, uh, Bonhoeffer's ecclesiology, I would say, is pneumatological because Bonhoeffer sees the church, uh, and I believe understands the church, to be a creation of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Hmm. Um, uh, what the church is for Bonhoeffer is, um, as I argue in the book, um, founded on um, the interrelated doctrines of both pneumatology and eschatology. Um, they're obviously contentious claims, uh, as you've pointed out and noted, um, 
in relation uh, to uh, Bonhoeffer's perceived uh, lack of pneumatology, but also uh, by and large, um, Bonhoeffer's ecclesiology is indexed almost exclusively to Christology um, uh, or to a theological anthropology uh, within wider Bonhoeffer uh, scholarship. And so uh, I'm well aware of um, uh, the argument pushing against the grain, uh, so to speak. But um, within that, um, uh, there's, a, there's a motivation, I think, for Bonhoeffer that he's wanting to uh, re-establish uh, the proper place of eschatology in theology. Um, uh, he has a 1926 paper, um, uh, Kirche and Eschatology, uh, Church and Eschatology, um, uh, where he says it, uh, that eschatology is the end and goal uh, to which everything else in theology is related, uh, and that everything certainly includes the church uh, for Bonhoeffer. Um, as he puts it in the beginning of Creation of Fall, um, the Church of Christ witnesses to the end of all things, it lives from the end, it thinks from the end, it acts. Uh, from the end, it proclaims its message from uh, the end, and that end, um, whilst that end is uh, Jesus Christ, uh, who is obviously the eschatological uh, person par excellence, um, uh, the kainos uh, anthropos, um, uh, he is that in consequence of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus is conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descends upon him at his baptism. Uh, Jesus is anointed with the Spirit. He ministers in the power of the Spirit and uh, through the eternal Spirit offers himself unblemished um, uh, to God. And of course, it's through the power of the Spirit that Jesus is raised from uh, the dead. And uh, of course, the Holy Spirit in that sense is also the first fruits of new creation, um, a proleptic manifestation uh, of new creation in uh, creation. And uh, all of which I contend in one way or another, Bonhoeffer affirms um, at different parts and aspects of his um, at corpus. Uh, and uh, in that sense, uh, Bonhoeffer um, understands the being of the church as um, in via, as uh, on its way, as heading somewhere, as uh, he writes about the church as being an orphan church, uh, as living between uh, the first and final comings of uh, Jesus Christ. And so um, uh, living as an alien people, uh, sojourning, um, if you like, uh, towards its heavenly home. And so um, uh, for Bonhoeffer, I think one of the, the strong emphases on, in Bonhoeffer's thinking about the church is that the church uh, lives and exists um, uh, not from itself, so to speak, uh, but rather receives its life uh, from outside of itself. Uh, and uh, that outside ultimately um, I contend is the person and work of uh, the Holy Spirit who um, uh, creates the church as an act of new creation at, at Pentecost. Um, uh, in Sanctorum Communio, Bonhoeffer writes uh, this, in order to build the church as the community of God in time, God reveals God's own self as Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the will of God that gathers individuals together to be the church community, maintains it, uh, and is at work only uh, within it. Um, now, I might want to challenge um, that very last aspect of that claim that the Holy Spirit is only at work within uh, the church. Um, I think I might have some concerns about that. Uh, but uh, it is uh, certainly, I think, the Holy Spirit who creates the church um, uh, for Bonhoeffer, which in the context of the book uh, gives his ecclesiology, I argue, um, um, uh, an eschatological uh, and pneumatological um, uh, bent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that kind of fits right into my thinking of 
um, the, the main takeaway that I have from reading Sanctor Communio was his statements that the church is both a, an end and a means to an end. Um, that the end goal, the, the church's means to an end is that uh, just to be the people of God, that God is, the, that Jesus is Lord over and sort of, I shall be their God, he should, they should be my people. And then that there is also a means to an end of revealing the nature of God to the world to journey on this uh, life together um, on the way to, to the eschaton. So, I mean, it seems pretty straightforward when you pointed out like that. Um, I guess one of the questions I have for you is, you have this section in the book that talks about uh, how the Holy Spirit actualizes God's church community. Um, what does that look like? Yeah, so in Sanctorum and Communio, Bonhoeffer writes about um, the church being realized in Christ from and for all eternity, um, but being actualized uh, by the Holy Spirit uh, in space and time. Um, and, and so this is one aspect of the sort of eschatological identity of the church, that in one sense it is perfect and complete, um, having been realized in Christ from and for all eternity. Uh, but at the same time, uh, that church is, being, is to be built up uh, in time um as a as a human uh, community and um uh the way that i kind of uh, try to articulate uh, that movement of what it looks like for bonhoeffer for the holy spirit to uh, to to create the church or build to build the church in space and time um i talk about it in the context of a kind of a threefold um movement uh, of uh, the holy spirit um uh so uh, the Holy Spirit creates uh, what you might call um, an ecclesial um, human being in justification and sanctification. Um, uh, sort of this is the first stage, I argue, uh, of the Holy Spirit's work in creating the church, kind of enabling human beings to um, relate in freedom to God, uh, but also then to image that freedom um, in loving relationship uh, with one another and uh, with and for uh, the world um, uh, and uh, the creation and uh, mediation so to speak of that loving relationship uh, with uh, one another and with and for the world uh, constitutes I argue um, uh, uh, really what the church is um, uh, and that kind of creation and mediation of that loving relationship is kind of the second stage if you like of the Holy Spirit's work of uh, creating the church um, uh, because Bonhoeffer sees um, uh, that work as generating and sustaining what he calls um, the church's objective spirit, um, uh, the human spirit, if you like, of uh, the church, um, which the Holy Spirit then uh, uses uh, as a way of um, building the church in um, time. And uh, this kind of building the church in time uh, by means of um, its objective spirit uh, which it receives from uh, the Holy Spirit is then kind of the third stage of um, the Holy Spirit's work in creating uh, the church through uh, what Bonhoeffer uh, names as the sociological forms and functions uh, in which um, the objective spirit exists empirically, um, so to speak. Uh, so um, assembling for worship, preaching the sacraments of baptism and Eucharist, the priestly office, pastoral or spiritual uh, care. And um, it's 
uh, or my argument is that it's in consequence of this kind of threefold actualizing work of the Holy Spirit that Bonhoeffer argues that the church first is um, the creation of uh, the Spirit, uh, but in saying that what the Spirit creates uh, is um, a particular contingent and fallible uh, human uh, community, uh, which kind of links back um, to the claim that the church is both a historical community and one established by God. How has this, uh, this, this project on Bonhoeffer's ecclesiology informed your own ecclesiology, <laughs> or, or has it, I guess, um, any application? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, oh, where to start? Um, uh, I guess um, it reinforced to me the importance of um, what it means to, to think uh, of the church as the great, gracious creation of mm. Um, God the Holy Spirit uh, you know what might that claim mean for um, those who uh, not only are members of the church today but also those who uh, lead the church today um, and uh, I guess what might it mean therefore for the church uh, to uh, live um, as Bonhoeffer urges it to do uh, not for one single hour uh, without praying at the age-old prayer of Pentecost come Holy Spirit um, and um, I guess what that kind of looks like in practice um, for church practitioners, um, I would say is pretty critical um, uh, as people who kind of want to understand what the church is and, and also what constitutes the church as the church and therefore how that might flow out into kind of church practice. Uh, but I guess also it's critical for, for those of us um, like me who want to, to think and try and write about the church um, uh, a, a way that that Tom, my PhD supervisor, would often um, talk about this and, and reinforce this point was that you know to think about it in terms of creedal sequencing, in terms of the creed, um, you know, so the church is located under the third article of the creed, um, uh, not the second article, and it's certainly not located as a kind of separate fourth article. Um, uh, which is specifically the point Tom makes, um, you know, it's almost if it's kind of independent from the life of God, which kind of a, a pure ethnographic approach to ecclesiology might tend towards. Mm -hmm. And obviously, um, so there are some, there are some important um, um, things just to go on resting and thinking about there. But, but I think for me, um, when I think about the being of the church, especially in the UK at the moment, um, and especially given um <laughs> Uh, the context of uh, the world in which we're currently living in. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, one one of the one of the key movements, I guess, in uh, of what Bonhoeffer sees happening in the in the creation of the Church at Pentecost is um, this movement of a community of disciples who are kind of um, uh, gathered uh, together, um, focused, if you like, on God and itself. Um, and the way in which the Holy Spirit turns that um, gathered uh, community um, outwards mm -hmm. uh, and into uh, the world, such that the Spirit propels them, if you like, as a, into the world as a missionary church uh, community. Um, and so there, there, there's some, I think there's some interesting things to think about there in terms of um, when, going back to what you were saying about um, a means to an end or an end in itself, you know, I mean, is the church an end in itself? Um, well, I think lots of, and I can only speak from my experience of the church in the UK, but 
um, lots of church gatherings uh, that I've participated in um, across the country would seem to be an end in themselves um, uh, and certainly not a means to an end, mm-hmm. uh, which is effectively that outward turning movement uh, for the church being uh, with and for uh, the world. Um, and obviously that has profound implications, I guess, for um, how you look to lead the church uh, as a church leader, but also um, in terms of um, the actual practice of, of the church on a day-to-day basis. Mm. Um, and I mean, I think specifically from, <laughs> from other specific Bonhoeffer thoughts, um, uh, I mean, when I was engaged in my PhD research, I, I mean, I was really struck by his emphasis on confession uh, the role of confession uh, within the life of the church, um, not only in the church's uh, calling of the world to, to come under Christ's lordship, but but also in the practice of um, uh, brotherly um, or sisterly spiritual care, um, you know, in the sense of bearing one another's burdens and what that might mean and what that might look like. I mean, what does it mean or what does it look like for the church to um, take on and confess uh, not only its own sins, but the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are some profound kind of implications again in sort of Bonhoeffer's emphasis on the the practice of confession. Um, and I think I think for me one of the um, uh, also kind of takeaways, shall we say, or some of the thinking that's informed uh, my and not just actually my own ecclesiology, but I guess my own understanding of um, God as well to a certain extent. Um, uh, is what you might call, and I kind of, I kind of talk about this in the book um, to a certain extent um, about the patience of God, um, and it, it seems to me that, and this kind of stems really, I think, from how Bonhoeffer conceives of the of the church as a sort of an eschatological community and how he understands wider sort of space and time. But um, it seems to me that um, at the time in which the church is given graciously by God to live in. Indeed, the world is given graciously by God to live in at uh, the time between um, Jesus' first and final advents. Um, um, uh, is all uh, a response to the patience of God. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, whilst the allusions to the patience of God are um, quite slim um, within the Bonhoeffer corpus, I do think there are some things there. Uh, Bonhoeffer's clearly drawing a lot and quite heavily on, on Bart in certain places, I think, where the illusions do come. Um, but this notion that actually um, uh, the goal of God's patience towards his creation is holding back, if you like, mm-hmm. um, um, sort of the, the final exercise of his passion on earth um, is um, the salvation of um, all creatures. Uh, and the role that the church then has uh, to play its part in uh, being called to that work. The work of not only seeking the salvation of all creatures, but uh, of drawing creation, if you like, uh, to its consummation in the world of uh, new creation. Um, Great. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, we, we have a couple of minutes left. I want to get through this last question. It's a really quick one. Uh, every episode, I am uh, with a little game of Desert Island. So the idea is <laughs> trapped on Desert Island. And uh, you just bring one book by Bonhoeffer and one book about Bonhoeffer. Any secondary source could be your, a book like yours or a biography. Um, which two books are you bringing? Oh, dear. Uh, Desert Island. Um, oh, uh, one book about Bonhoeffer. Oh, to be honest, I think I'd probably have to... I'd probably have to take Bethke's 
biography uh, purely because of its sheer length um it would um it, it would keep me going if i was on a de- if i was on a desert island I, I need something quite you know something to keep me going for a while i'm really so, good right now take i take bethka's biography and um and i think for a book by bonhoeffer um i'd probably take letters and papers from prison uh, i think um just purely because um it might give me some comfort and solace i don't i'm not too bad at being on my own alone but um you know i i don't particularly enjoy that um so perhaps i might find some kind of comfort and solace in in the sort of reality of of reading letters and papers but also i think purely because i uh, because of the way that um bonhoeffer's theology is kind of um done in letters and papers it is so suggestive because it's so unfinished that it, it can lead your thoughts to um can give wings to your thoughts so to speak and so perhaps that might be keep me occupied on a desert island as well <laughs> excellent answer all right well thank you so much for joining me again again the book is god's church community the ecclesiology of dietrich bonhoeffer by dr david emerton thanks so much for doing this appreciate it no it's a pleasure This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Bonhoeffer Podcast Patreon. Specifically, thank you to Soren Jensen for signing up for the Patreon. If you would like to join Soren and begin supporting the podcast, please visit patreon.com slash bonhoefferpod for more information. There's a few different options for signing up to support and we'd love to have you help us continue to make this podcast keep running. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And as always, thanks for